Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is Ollie Harrison, a farmer, YouTuber and organiser of Tractors Lit Up. We're going to be chatting all about this, but also about the farming issues in the UK and in particular Veganuary. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Ollie. How are you today? I'm good, yeah, yeah. It's a bit wet and damp, so it's nice to be inside. <laughs> so for listeners who don't know you, where do you farm and what do you do? So I farm on the edge of Liverpool, which is technically Merseyside. So we farm some land right by the river or around up to the airport and then up towards St. Helens Rugby Club, where people know where that is, and then some out towards Lim as well, which is getting near Manchester. And have you always been interested in farming since you've been a little boy? Has it kind of been all you've known and all you've wanted to do? Pretty much, yeah. That's all I wanted to do, yeah. Just I just like machinery, so... <laughs> Um, and so you've got this youtube channel how did that come about completely by accident i am um, the local northwest news bbc northwest news have always done sort of issues to do with farming and they asked me a few years ago could they follow me for 12 months and of what's going on on the farm through the seasons so we started doing that and then they were due to come out the day we, we went into the first lockdown and they rang me and they said, but we've got into lockdown. Are you still happy for us to come and visit? Yeah, we're, we're still allowed because we're the news and we're, you know, we're exempt, if you will. Mm. But we feel like we, we'd like a little bit of a story a bit different to COVID. So I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So they're like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll film from a distance and, and this, that and the other. I'll see you in the morning. So they came out and they, they filmed with like a long lens and, you know, I stood sort of 30 feet away from them when they were talking to me about what I was doing. And they were editing it and they said, oh, there's something a bit missing. Can you film something with your phone? Maybe in the tractor cab, because normally they just got in the cab with me mm. and, and send it to us. So they have Apple computers. I had an Apple phone. So I filmed something with my phone, felt a right idiot talking to myself <laughs> and recorded it for them and then airdropped it to their phone, their computers. And when you use airdrop, the quality's exactly the same as you've recorded it. So when they edited it, it looked like it had been done with one of their cameras and they were like, you know, that's amazing. So they put it out that night and I just shared it on Facebook and people were interested to know what I was doing that day because of obviously the fact that, you know, everyone was locked in with COVID and didn't know what to do. And then the next day of the joke, I was on a tractor and I just thought, I'm just going to just gonna do another video of what I'm doing today. And I just said, oh, it's, it's day two of cab isolation, I was calling at the time, because I was isolating in my cab and put it on Facebook and everyone watched it and enjoyed it and commented and said they were learning things. So just like boredom, I suppose, for the first week or so, I just kept doing a video each day. And then, and then it started to sort of like get watched quite a lot people were sharing it and liking it so a couple of school teachers asked me would I would I be able would they be able to use it for the class now I presume that was because it was like online content for them mm. so they wanted me to send it them so they were messaging me on Facebook and then I was having to like whatsapp these to everyone and I thought do you know what it, it's got to be an easier way so I, what I did was I put it onto YouTube and then sent them the link and I carried on and then by this point I got to sort of like 
two or three two or three months of doing it. And I thought, well, I'll do a hundred days, and then when I've done a hundred days, I'll call it a day because we were sort of looked like we were going to come out of lockdown. A <laughs> hundred days took us to the middle of the summer, and the middle of the summer, people were were obviously um, we were obviously busy, and there was a lot going on, and we had a combine coming on demo. So I thought, well, that, that's interesting content. I'll I'll carry on, and then. Obviously, I'd gone over the 100 days then, so I thought, well, I'll just do a year. And at this point, I was uploading it to Facebook, YouTube, sorry, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. So it was it was everywhere. Mm. And a friend of mine was like, oh, you should just put it on YouTube. You know, you can make money out of YouTube. I was like, oh, I don't, don't really know what you're doing. There's not that many people watching it. I mean, there was. There was, you know, sort of, if you added it all together, there's probably like a 1,000 people on each platform when you added it together. But I just carried on. And then... It got to about this time, just before Christmas last year. So the first year I was doing it. And a guy that has a YouTube channel at the time, he had 10,000 subscribers and I had like 400. And he said, your videos are really good, but your channel's set up completely wrong and you can't find her on the main YouTube. Now, I didn't realise, but I was saying that they were made for children. Well, when you say they're made for children, they're on like the children's YouTube, which isn't like the main search engine. Mm-hmm. So... He's like, you should change your settings and then people can find you. I was like, oh, how'd you do that? He said, you have to do it on a computer. I said, oh, I can't be bothered. I hate computers. So a few weeks went by and then he messaged me again and said, look, you should change it. It's, you know, you're missing out here. And sent me a video of how to do it on the computer, like step by step. So I changed the settings and then carried on. And then suddenly, you know, I was gone from 400 to 500 to 600 to 1,000 subscribers within like a few weeks. And it was getting to, to January now. So I've been doing it for 10 months. And I was I was thinking of stopping after a year because my girlfriend was like, oh, every night you're messing around on your phone because I'd obviously be editing a video and uploading it. You know, I, and then a neighbour that watched the videos went, you're not really going to stop after a year, are you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've had enough now. And he's like, are you mental? He said, you could earn a fortune. It's like, oh, I don't think so. He's like, no, you can, you can. He said, my mate spent spent six years trying to get a YouTube channel going. He said, you've done it without even trying and you're going to stop. You, you know, you're stupid. So I just didn't really think anything of it. And then we had some bad flooding and we rescued a guy in the floods with a tractor. We had to, because the fire brigade was struggling to get to him. So the video kind of went a bit viral because the local paper shared it. So mm. I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll do what they call monetize it which is where you can you can they'll put adverts before it so i did that and then the next morning i'd earned two pound 49 i was like made up i was like wow free money because for this point i'd been for 10 months i've been making videos and putting them everywhere for, for nothing you know it was just a bit of a hobby and a bit of a joke anyway it it soon went from two pound fifty a day to five pound a day to ten pound a day to twenty pound a day, and then and then I'm getting near the year mark, and I'm thinking, well, it is a bit silly to stop this now. It's sort of diversification, and I still enjoy doing it, even more so when I was getting paid. So I just carried on, and then I worked out that if it carried on at the growth it had by the summer, I'd be able to afford a new sprayer that YouTube could pay for. <laughs> so. I- kind of said i was going to do this and everyone thought it was an april fool because it was beginning of april and i think even farmers weekly rung me up and said you know is this an april fool and i was like no and he said yeah i didn't think so he said my son wants to be a youtuber but the rest of the office think it's an april fool so 
I carried on and, and I ordered a sprayer. And by the time it was supposed to arrive in June, it wasn't quite going to pay for it. But the sprayer was delayed and, and YouTube picked up a bit more. And by by the end of August, beginning of September, the first monthly payment of the sprayer was paid for entirely by YouTube. And it's grown since then. The only thing I didn't realise is December and January on rubbish. So December was well down on income and January is, is quite a lot down because they don't pay you very much because the advertisers aren't prepared to pay much for adverts at this time of year. So that was a bit of a shock because I've not only bought a sprayer, I've gone out and bought some classic tractors on the back of the uh -huh. monthly income. But which, hopefully um, a bit back. which classic tractors have you bought? Well... I've bought what I would call modern day classic tractors. So the first one, well, I bought two at the same time. I bought an MB track, which was mm -hmm. a game changer when they came out. Mercedes, I bought a 1455 case because they were just massive when I was a kid. And then since I've bought a 7710 John Deere, which again, you know, it did, it's only 21 years old. So it's a modern day classic. But when I was 21, it was a big tractor. And then I've bought a 1200 Massey because they were they're quite rare. Mm. And, and I've just been looking and pretty much bought a 1690 case as well. Oh, wow. and I bought, I won one in an auction as well that I didn't expect to win. So a big 4494 case, and it's the only one in the country. So it was in an auction. And um, I put a bid on it and I didn't think I'd win it. And I, and I managed to win that. So yeah, um, I bought quite, quite a lot quite quickly, really. But it's, mm. it's fun self-fueling it's like speculating to accumulate people watch the videos to see what I've, what i'm doing with them and what i've bought and then because of that i get more views and because of that i get paid better so then i can go and buy another one <laughs> you worry in terms of putting everything out there on youtube that and just sort of showing obviously machinery is expensive do you worry that potentially like criminals will look at this and know where to target it's a double-edged sword, but the other thing is it's kind of hot property. It's instantly recognisable to, you know, a lot of people. I could get there's such a network of, of, of followers, whether it be on YouTube. Like, so there's 30,000 people now follow me on YouTube. It hit that last night. Wow. You know, Facebook's this, this I think it's about 4,000 on Facebook. There's 13,000 on Instagram, and then there's 10,000 on Twitter. Well, now, a lot of them will be the same person. But if you had something stolen, you could probably let at least thirty to 40,000 people know within minutes. Mm. And and it's quite visual as well, so people would recognise it. So, you know, I've had people send me pictures of me and my car going, oh, I've just seen you on the motorway. You know, so I would like to think that it's it's probably safer. I mean, the other thing is people know through watching the videos that we have a lot more security than most farms do. Yeah. You know, we... We, we, we lock all the tracks in the shed overnight with an alarm. You know, pe people sort of know all that. So I would think we'd go and pick one from somewhere where it wouldn't be secure and maybe they wouldn't notice it missing for a bit. Yeah, that's very true. I know, like, from the talk I did the other, the other month with the rural crime team, that it's adding all those layers of protection that actually stops, you know, the criminals from getting them as fast. Um, Duke, because you do a new video every day, does it ever get exhausting or sort of how long does it take to edit at night? What's that process? It, it does, but farming, you're always doing something every day. And 
with COVID and everything, there wasn't anything to do. So I wasn't going on holiday anyway. So I did think, what do I do when I go on a holiday? So when when I went, I was lucky enough, I bought a new JCB, Fast Track. I'd ordered it. Oh, no. I was only like for like. So swapping one in and, and getting a new one. And the people at the JCB factory watched the videos and they worked out where my tractor was being built and they invited me to the factory. So they took me and Lord Bonford's helicopter to the factory to see my tractor come off the production line, which was brilliant. And while I was there, I looked around the Heritage Centre and I filmed a video of going around the factory and the Heritage Centre, well, it was that long. I chopped it into two and I thought, well, if I'm ever ill or want a day off, I'll put out the video of the JCB Heritage Centre and then I can kind of have a day off. I think it was four or five months before I actually needed it <laughs> because I didn't either, either always had something to do or, you know, I, it's just every day. Because this is the strange thing that I can't get my head around. So to me, I think people are interested in tractors and machinery. But when I'm fixing things in a workshop, people find that fascinating and, and, and really enjoy that. And there's just always something somewhere. Like what I was, when I'll edit a video, I'll think to myself, well, oh, it's been a bit boring today. All they've been doing is fixing the, you know, the, the, the biomass boiler or something. And people love that. And then I went on holiday and I, I thought again, you know, people will get, get bored, but everyone was interested in, in where I was on holiday because I did a tour, like the, the North Coast 500 around Scotland. I would say I didn't get growth while I was away. So if you imagine every day, people will stumble across my videos for the first time and probably subscribe to the channel. But then everyone that would watch it every day or already had would know I was on holiday and be interested to see what I was up to. Mm. And I think it's a strange thing. Like I, I have it in my head that they're watching for the machinery. But then if there's a video when it's just really me all day, the, they're interested in that. If you get the, just the same. Yeah. It's almost like you've become sort of a um, a product in a way that people are interested in what you're doing just as much as, you know, you and the tractors and things. Yeah. So I, I didn't really understand this until I went to, um, I went to an NFU meeting in Coventry and uh, we had to be there the night before. And it was either travel in rush hour or travel in plenty of time. And I've made some mind bought a tractor off a dealership not far from it. So we'd arranged that we'd go to the dealership to look at the tractor to kill a bit of time before the meeting and then avoid the rush hour traffic. And I'm in the car and I'm pulling into the car park. And unknown to me, well, I found out on the way that the dealership had an open day. So I knew no one from that area whatsoever. And I'm pulling in the car park and there's a guy like running over towards me to shake my hand. I've got the window down. I'm like all confused, thinking, "Do I know this guy?" What? What? But he'd recognise me. And mm. then, as I'm walking around this open day, looking at these tractors, there's like some lads sort of like following me. And then eventually, they like plucked up the courage and said, "Oh, can we have a picture?" And I found that really bizarre because I didn't didn't expect it at all. Because to me, I was in the middle of nowhere, didn't know anyone. And then, I think the probably the strangest one is Adam. Uh, sorry, Andrew, that works for me, went in PC World at the weekend and got recognised by the guy in PC World. So it, it's a bit weird, really. But then it's it's also dead handy. So, you know, I've rung up about machinery and, you know, instantly who they're talking to. So they're like, oh, yeah, well, it'll go right behind that track for yours. Or I, I had a few tractors that were dotted all over the country that had bought. And I just said, does anyone have got any wagons empty come in this direction? And, you know, suddenly I was... You know, I had a load of messages off people going, yeah, I can pick that up for you. So it's, it's great. There's this like whole network. And then even when in Scotland, you know, I took some pictures or like filming as we were going down some of the roads and people were like, oh, that you've just driven past my front driveway to my farm and stuff. They're just everywhere. Yeah. It's just 
But it, what what is weird is most of them that watch, I think, are farmers. Yeah. Or at least half them are. You know, I, I, I kind of aimed it to educate people what happened on a farm. But of course, this time of year on a farm, you know, we're not particularly growing much food. It's just sat in the field. We're maintaining machinery and doing all whatever diversification we need to do to pay the bills. And and the farmers find that fascinating, I think, to see what's going on. Or if I've had a bad day, you get so many comments off other people going, oh, I know how you feel. I, you know, this is what's happened to me today. Mm. Or it's, it's, you know, it's not all um, sunshine and rainbows. Because a lot of what, is on youtube is so people will put a video on like every week or every few weeks and they'll just be putting the best of the week or the month or whatever mm. well, because every day it's what happened that day and i don't know in the morning i have an idea what i want to get done that day but in farming it, it never goes how you expect especially with the weather so yeah i don't know what i'm going to film each day when you were saying about the guy in pc world that just shows how sort of wide you're reaching and like you said people who might not be farmers as well as those farmers do you think that um like things like Clarkson's farm do you think that really helps sort of educate the non-farming world about farming as well yeah definitely so when when I went to look at my sprayer being built we come back through the Cotswolds for a few nights and I visited Clarkson's farm just to get the picture see what the fuss was about and there was a queue, even though it was not even open yet. And we queued for sort of an hour and listening to the people, because it's like the airport where you snake through passport control. You end up sat, stood next to, you know, 30 different people a couple mm-hmm. of times as you snake through for, for an hour. And it was really interesting that they all didn't know each other and they're all talking about farming. And, you know, you could tell they weren't farmers Um because of the, some of the things they were saying, but you could tell that they'd also learned a lot because they were like, oh, I didn't realise that's why they have them lines in the field, you know, <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I think it was brilliant. And when it first came out that he was doing that, I thought it'd be really good for agriculture. But I remember being in an NFU meeting and a lot of people were negative about it and thought it'd be t- a disaster. But how wrong were they? Yeah, very true. Do you think with your YouTube that you've, you know, did you start just as confident as you are now in terms of like presenting in front of the camera and stuff because I know some people find it really awkward and embarrassing yeah it is a bit weird um it was more it was more weird than doing it with the BBC so when I've done stuff for the BBC even live you feel like you're talking to someone because mm-hmm. if you either sent a presenter out to interview you so you're talking to them you might have a camera point out you'd be talking to them when you're when you're doing it live for like breakfast or whatever or something like that, which we've done a few times, you know, you're talking to the presenters in the studio and and obviously the, explaining to the public they're watching. When you're doing it yourself, you're basically just talking to nobody, just your phone. And then later on then, you then put it out to everyone else. So it was a bit weird. So I did feel stupid doing it at first. And then like even filming things, in like the lads that worked for me, you know, I'd find it a bit odd, like talking to myself while they're in the workshop at the same time. But I've just got used to it now. Yeah. If we move sort of away from your YouTube channel, you've organised just recently um, a tractor run around Liverpool um, where, like, the tractors are covered in Christmas lights and, you, you know, you've raised a lot of money for older hay. How did that come about and why did you kind of choose older hay? Uh, a few reasons, really. So about, well, two years ago, no, that's only really 13 months ago, isn't it? So I woke up one morning. And I noticed that I'd, I'd seen it before, but 
the Isle of Man do a track to run and they do it for charity. And I thought, we could do that bigger here because there's more tractors than in the Isle of Man. And I want to do it better. And I thought, well, I I used to go out with someone and they had a, a niece that was in Alder Hay over Christmas twice. And mm-hmm. I visited and it was quite bleak, you know, for, for children in Alder Hay over, over there. And with it being on our doorstep, I thought, well, you know, we could cheer them kids up by by going to Alder Hay with a load of tractors. So I thought it's got a bit more of a purpose, even if you didn't raise any money. And then a few weeks before that as well, I visited, there's, there's a bit of a car club and it's called Cars and Coffee. So on a Sunday, every sort of like first Sunday of the month, a friend of mine has a Chinese restaurant with quite a big car park near the city centre and all these people go in like the, you know, the classic cars or the Lamborghinis or the Ferraris or whatever. And they all meet up, have a brew and then they have a bit of a collection for, for a charity. Well, the December one, they take food bank donations. So I went to the December one and I don't have a flash car. So I took the fast track. Well, everyone knew what a fast track was because they'd all seen, it was just, it was only a month after um, Guy Martin had broke the land speed record in a tractor. <laughs> so it, they all thought it was amazing. You know, it was like to them, it was the star of the show. Anyway, we, we took this food bank donation then up to the big cathedral in Liverpool, which was this huge landmark. And I thought it was really good. So when I was thinking of the track to run, I thought, right, well, we're, for, we're food producers. There's synergy there. We, we need to do something for a food bank. We'll go past the hospital so that the kids can see. And, you know, obviously it'll be a spectacle. And if we can raise some money, you know, ideal. So I wanted it to have, have a purpose, a specific route to this purpose, if you will. And then the whole food thing, tie in. So I had it all in, in my head what to do, but I knew I had to get the police on board straight away because, you know, obviously slow-moving vehicles, I was taking it to a city centre. It wasn't rural roads, whatever we were going on. So I managed to... We made my work for the police and he told me what to do. He said, you know, you'd have to ring up, ask for a traffic bobby to ring you, da 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 So I did that. I also then emailed him. I got him to go and email him as well. And then I spoke to Alder Hay and said, this is what we want to do. I need the police on board. Can you also email? So by the time it landed on this guy's desk on a Monday morning, because it was a Sunday, I came up with the idea. He'd had it from three different, four different directions. So they were up for helping me. And I was like, I want to take it to the cathedral. I said, we'll, we'll circle the cathedral with all these tractors in it with lights. I said, and we'll do a food bank drop to the cathedral food bank and it'll be amazing. Anyway, the cathedral is run by a management company, the grounds of it. And they were just like, no, you're not coming. It's too short a notice. It's like, you've only got to leave the gates open. No, 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 we can't do it. So I was a bit annoyed by this. So I was telling the police about it and we were trying to come up with a route. And he just said, he said, oh, there's a food bank, you know, that Liverpool and Everton Football Club have together called Fan Supporting Food Banks. He said, maybe you should go to them. And we obviously, this cathedral wouldn't let us go, but we, Stanley Park is a huge, basically, car park that they use for match days between Liverpool and Everton's football grounds. And... There's a, there's a food bank that's joined to the two clubs. So the policeman said, he said, oh, he said, uh, you need to speak to Ian Byrne, the MP. He's the sort of like the patron of it. And I was like, I know Ian. He came to the Sunflower Maze. So we invited him to the Sunflower Maze when, in the summer, that we'd done, which again was for charity. And we got on really well and we kind of swapped numbers. So... I messaged him and said, think of doing this tractor run. We're going to go to Alder Hay. We, we're going to do a thing for the food bank. I believe you're in charge of one. And we want to go to Stanley Park. Can you get us in Stanley Park? 
And he's so he texts back, oh, that's brilliant. I'm just in Parliament. I'll ring you later. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. And that was it. So this was like on the Tuesday. And then we did it the following Sunday. So we raised the first year 43,000 through donations on Just Giving. We obviously had a massive food bank donation because there was there was a hundred odd tractors and vehicles on it. And then and then we lit up loads of children's faces as we went through the hospital. So this year we wanted to do it again, but bigger and better. And the police were concerned about the tractor numbers and tried to cut me down to 50 tractors. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I said, I said it'll be it'll look rubbish compared to last year. So anyway, I negotiated them up to sort of a hundred to within reason. So I think we had I think we had about 110 leave, but we had a couple breakdown this year. Yeah. And this year so far, we're over 64,000 we've raised. That's incredible. And I know like lots of my friends from sort of Rainford and Parbold Young Farmers who did it, I'd seen all their Snapchats and everything of what it looked like. And the amount of effort these people put into the Christmas lights around the tractors were just incredible. Are you planning on doing one in 2022 or was it just kind of like a two-time thing? No, no, it's, we're going to get it bigger every year. So we hope well, the problem we have in organising it, taking it through a city centre with two premiership clubs in it, is the football fixtures. <laughs> so we struggle this year to not be able to set a date until the football fixtures come out and then Sky de- de- decided which day they were playing the matches. So this year, we believe so far that the premiership matches are cancelled because it's the World Cup. Oh, yeah. So we think... We're thinking we can set the date relatively soon. But with COVID and matches being delayed, I don't know whether it, that could mess it around again. I don't know. But it, it's so big a thing now that we've probably got a little bit of influence within the city of, what, of, of you know, doing it, if you get me. Yeah. The, police, the police love it because, yeah, the, it's a lot of their resource, but they all come in on the day off to do it. It's nice for them to be doing something, you know, community-based, you know, rather than just doing people for speeding or whatever, or, or mm. you know, it's it's a story. It, I don't know. We we tried to estimate, but we think there was probably one hundred and fifty thousand people watched it this year on the streets. Yeah, it was mental. So yeah, we're hoping that um, next year it'll be bigger and better, and the city might get a little bit more behind it and and sort of advertise it that it's happening, and, and you know, maybe have you know. Christmas fair markets on that night around some of the route. Well, I think we're going to change the route slightly this year because it, it does take around three and a half hours. So we might tweak it so that we it's not quite as long, but we go more through pedestrian areas or the suburbs. And you had but a tracker. Unknown... Sorry? You had a tracker, didn't you, where you could track where you were? Yeah, so that let me down this year when we set off and I, I managed to download another one pretty quickly. But yeah, um, I sort of done it all. Christine that works, we did a lot of the herding the sheep, which was the herding cats, which was the tractor drivers. But <laughs> it got a little bit much because I was trying to do all the technology as well. So next year, a few of my friends have just said, look, leave it up to us. We'll sort a laptop out. We'll do all the streaming and all the, all the location. And, and you've only got to worry about making it happen. So that I'm going to like, you know, hopefully it should be a bit easier for me next year. But I, I was trying to live stream live track drive a tractor and do all the sort of the comms if you will so if you imagine when it's happening the week before it everyone wants to talk to you through every radio station and every sort of local news and it and papers and stuff and it takes quite a lot of time as well as obviously the promoting it on facebook twitter and all this so it it's fairly intense so this year i'll, I'll try and get a few more people involved do you to, always to make- leave the 
do you always lead the run are you like the first tractor or how does that work I, I have for the last two years yeah because i have a police radio yeah. um the front isn't really the best place to be because it, and it obviously is if you're tracking it because obviously i can it's up to date of where we're up to so people don't miss us but if you imagine there's so much like people although a lot of people know it's happening there's a lot of people that don't know it's happening so by the time the first 20 tractors have passed there's houses coming out and doors opening and cars stopping on roads and running you know it so by the time you get near the, near the middle of the back there's there's probably another 25 percent amount of people there waving and cheering you're on but yeah yeah the last two years I, I've, I've been the lead tractor because we've had a big sign on the front saying christmas convoy and tractors lit up but yeah i don't i don't know where it where i'll be next year whether i'll be at the front or not <laughs> well i hope this time well this year it'll be this year won't it i hope somehow yeah. I'll, like I'll be able to actually watch or be there because the last two years has either been other tractor runs it seems to be or just like plans isn't it because it's kind of in a weird time of the year um yeah I mean there's a lot there's a lot since that have done it and and they're obviously they've raised a lot of money and a few people have messed with me saying oh because of seeing what you've done and you know the inspiration we, we've now done one which is great the only thing I am a bit worried about is that there was quite a lot after Christmas, and I know they were all for charity, but just getting 150 tractors driving around the countryside in daylight doesn't really get the public behind you. Mm. I feel like you need a bit more of a purpose. So there's no, like, we've got the blueprint now. There's no reason why every major city could not copy it. So, you know, near edge of London, the farmers around that way, the same night be- as ours go into London, go to Great Ormond Street, you know, Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham. And and rather than have like 10 or 15 random ones, get them all joined up and do them all for, for, for a bit more of a purpose. Because like there was three purposes to ours. What, what, well, there was four really. I mean, one, one we were visiting a children's hospital. Two, we were raising money for children's hospital. Three, we were delivering to a food bank. And, and then the fourth one is the whole like, farmers are food producers yeah and if 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 children remember us at christmas for having all these lights on our tractors and, and making the effort and making them smile then kids grow up to be shoppers and they also will grow up hopefully and not want to throw stones at tractors when you see them because we are quite urban and we do get problems sometimes wow so it, that that you know i think they need to it's great everyone doing them but but just give them a bit more of a whole package maybe yeah, yeah, I agree with that. If we just quickly move on when you were talking about sort of farmers being food producers, um, there's always issues in farming, without a doubt, and it seems that, you know, there are a lot of changes happening within the industry. With it being January, some people have veganuary. Um, What's that? <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's just boil down to the question, is soya better for the environment than steak? Is it hell? You've got to fly it in. You need a lot of water to grow it. It, the whole veganuary thing. It, if you look at the nuts and bolts of it, it's not actually even a thing. It's just an excuse for the angry vegans to to pretend that they're, they're more righteous than thou, and they make a lot of noise because they've got nothing to do. And most vegans are vegans because they want to have have something to believe in. 
and it becomes a religion to them. And that's why they try and preach it on everyone else. Now, you need a healthy, balanced diet. You need to eat as locally as possible. And, and that's it, really. And if I am ever bored, I will go vegan baiting on Twitter, find out what they're talking about and put the other side of the story out there. A bit like what we did with Mark Suspensers the other week when they come up with this absolutely fake news of the carbon footprint of, of their meal compared to driving a car, cut, cutting a meal and stop saving enough carbon. It's absolutely rubbish. I mean, it was nearly 20 times inaccurate. And a lot of the old sort of like way of being, oh, just ignore it, it'll go away. Well, it, with social media, it doesn't go away. You have to take the ball by the horns and put the counter-argument with it as soon as possible. So that's luckily what we did and they retracted it. But no, I don't think there's as many vegans as you think. The, the problem with being a vegan is it affects your vitamin B12 levels, which affects your mental health. And that generally makes them angry. <laughs> that's, you know... It's a fact. I remember going to the, the... I got invited to a Manchester food board. So they were trying to set up a food board for Manchester. And ironically i was the only farmer invited <laughs> you know so there's 20 odd people all officials from all you know all different aspects of, of manchester whether it be the council chefs you know the prison service the, 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 the hospitals and they were coming up with a food strategy how manchester was going to feed itself more sustainably in the next 50 years and they only thought to invite one farmer anyway i went and the, someone sets off talking about how to be more sustainable, they need to eat less red meat. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. Was that in Manchester? I said, north of here, east of here, south of here. You can only really grow poor quality grass. I said, we need to be eating as much lamb and sheep as we can because that's what's sustainable for this region. And they were like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> you know, that it's the whole world's bonkers, isn't it? But the vegans, it's, it's big business. That, that's the top and bottom of it. You know, the, if, you're, if you're selling a plant-based burger, there's a hell of a lot more of a markup on it than anything else. So they've got good marketing and advertising budgets. And then the other thing is, is if you're a supermarket and you've stocked up with this stuff that no one's buying, hmm. it's going to go off. So you need to advertise it. Well, I saw an advert for the, the vegan butcher or the vegetarian butcher on... Um... You know, sort of in between ITV. So they're green grocers. Pardon? Would that not just be a green grocer? Well, what they were showing was how instead of having chicken burgers, you can have this vegetarian vegan burger. You know, it sort of said at the end because you're doing your bit for the environment. Um, and it goes back to what we were saying about the whole avocado has more air miles than a cow. But how can farmers like promote themselves better and do sh say that local food's better for the environment when supermarkets are backing that you should have meat and dairy alternatives? Like, how can farmers promote themselves more? Well, I think the whole social media things that is is the one, isn't it? It's just selling the other side of the story all the time and and, and banging the drum. I mean, the whole Marks and Spencer's incident the other day. Now, that could have really been turned on its head made them look really silly, affected the share price and bullied them into buying British beef or British chicken or British pork for their ready meals. You know, it, it only needed a few of us to get together and block a few distribution centres, get an apology out of them and make, it, make their shoppers realise that when they buy their chicken tikka masala ready to go in the oven, that the chicken's been flown in from um, 
Thailand, which I think is a bit wrong, really, for what's supposedly a British brand. And then I think as of the other day, they're now worried about their profits, so they've renegated on the fact that they were going to only use British beef. Well, yeah, that's a lot of people. There were so many comments went around going, oh, it's an American company. Well, it's not now. It's owned by a couple of brothers from Bolton, isn't it? It's owned by Euro Garages, isn't it? Yeah, I was about to mention about Asda because obviously they, with the commitment to British beef meat and now not doing that. Um, so obviously you're really um, promoting this. You're doing it on social media, doing the, your bit for farmers, I'd, I'd say. If people want to follow you on YouTube, on Instagram, anything like that, what are your social handles? Uh, well, the easiest one is AgriContract. So that's just like an, the what my YouTube channel was called when I first made it and the Instagram and stuff on Twitter. Um, so if you put in Ollie Blogs, that brings you up as well. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks so much for chatting on the podcast today. I hope that it's sort of helped people, maybe not from farming backgrounds as well, to sort of understand a bit more about the issues and sort of being a YouTube farmer. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.